and welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's podcast, we are joined once again by Ian Laking, a Melbourne-based emerging writer. Ian's back because we're happy to announce that he's joining the Morning Bell podcast team. I always swore Luke would ditch me, and it's slowly happening, ladies and gentlemen. On today's podcast, we chat about Ian and his history, as well as the Morning Bell magazine and the editing that goes into it. For the media section, we chat about The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and the plan of extending shows to their logical end. We also talk about Warcraft, and the aim and focus of video game movies in general. For the main topic of the show, we chat about working on a fantasy novel and the idea behind literary speed dating, as well as criticism and comments you receive on your first works. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact me on the email address mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore today. I'm sick, ladies and gentlemen, which means I probably sound like I'm going to die in this episode. If I do, don't worry, we've got special announcements for you, so hopefully you won't have to deal with me in the future. That's a lie, I'll always be here, you'll never get rid of me. So, guess who we did get rid of this episode? Luke! He's gone, Lucas! Hi. Hi. Hi, how are you going? I, th- I thought you went like, you're like, and then you just, it was just a pause, like, it, he's gone, Luke. I missed the end bit. Yeah. Yeah. L- Luke's busy doing, what is he doing? I have no idea. Apart from work? he's busy and he's studying and working and he's... I was just taking a break. <coughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, um, apparently? Or is he just home chilling? Probably. I I wouldn't put it past him, ditching you, us on this. Well, that's, that's beautiful fine. Beautiful Melbourne night. It's nice. It's really nice. It's Apparently what, it's like four degrees this outside? weekend. Yeah. So pretty good. Great. Four so Celsius. What's that in Fahrenheit? Anyone know? No one cares. No one cares? Hey, half our audience is international. I'm making this up. I don't know. Um, Who uses Fahrenheit apart from Americans? Well, that's like half our audience, isn't it? I don't know. I don't have these metrics. Oh, my goodness. All right. Showing me up. So the point of Lucas, uh, Luke not being here... And I thought about it for a few moments, and I realized this is probably going to happen again, Luke ditching us. It's been a running joke, and it's been happening. So, in order to to prevent this fact, we thought, hey, why don't we broaden the podcast team? Hey, Lucas, I caught you at a bad moment. You're actually drinking. Don't respond. So, yeah. Um, So, we thought we should get somebody on the podcast. um, Good communicator, somebody uh, fresh, and a new voice, uh, preferably with an accent. So we thought, right, let's do that. And we thought, mm, let's just look at our podcast list and see. Actually, no, don't worry about it. We'll just get Ian on. So Ian, <laughs> Ian Laking, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Very good to be here. Very, very good to have you. So what does it feel like, Ian, on the mic this time, not as the guest, but as a as a co-host? Is there any pressure? Look, it's surprisingly similar because I am in the same chair. Uh, using the same mic, but uh, mm. no, it's good. It's good, and it feels nice and relaxed. The only thing that's really different is that it's even colder now than it was the first time I came on, as yes, we've really hit that's winter. Right. So, yep. Well, you're used to it. You're from New Zealand. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yes, which you did a little bit on hmm. the on the episode which you were on, but give us a give us a brief rundown of 
who Ian is. Yeah. Well, I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand, down in the South Island. Uh, and I've been in Melbourne, though, for six years. So I am uh, practically an Aussie now, but uh, I really enjoy living here. It's brilliant. And I've been writing for a few years now. So I um, I didn't start my, my writing career in Christchurch. I got things kicked off here in Melbourne, which is a fantastic city to write in, I should say. Fantastic. Well, uh, let's jump right in, shall we? Um, what have we been all up to this week? Lucas, what have you been doing? I have... Um, been, been editing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I was trying to... Stro- yes, I have been editing. Mm-hmm. The, um, the morning bell pieces are starting to come in. Uh, and, and, I, and I did the editing on a short story. It's been mostly poetry so far, which is nice. Yeah. I don't. I don't deal with the poetry though. So, in one way, that's good because less work for me. But on the other hand, I'd like more short stories, guys. Yeah, guys, mm-hmm. guys, and ladies. I think I'm staring at. I know I'm staring. You're staring right at, at uh, the kids section. I'm staring at the kids section, but I'm stuck in our spawn. I know this isn't a visual medium, but no. I'd be staring at the audience right now, guy. Yeah, the audience. Send us some stuff. Visual cues, rather. Yep. Well, we'll we'll get out. We'll get out. But I've been doing a bit of my own work. Fine. Yeah. I've been slack with that. I had such a big block, but I'm e- eking out things. Mm-hmm. Carving out your little space of writing heaven amongst your schedule. Heaven? I mean, I'd say so. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's all right. Writing purgatory, then? I don't know. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's better. Um, so talk to us about editing, Lucas. Structural editing. It sounds like it? such an exciting topic. It is. Mm-hmm. No, it, I mean... That's really unfair. I do structural editing as a job, Lucas. <laughs> yes, tell me why it's so good and why people who do it... Why don't you so tell fantastic. me so, how it's so... Why people should do it. I think structural editing is probably one of the most interesting parts of being an editor. And line editors here will kill me for it. But I think structural editing is the most exciting because you're able to look at story as a constructed medium. And you know, finding out the building blocks that aren't quite strong and, you know, shoring it up. While a lot of structure, or, well, people view structural editing as a person who goes in with, you know, a sledgehammer, knocks down all the bricks, and builds his own bricks. Honestly, and I guess the, the general population, not the not the writers... Don't, don't even know structural editing It's exists. like editors, yeah. they, like, <laughs> fix your typos and stuff. It's you put an and <laughs> instead of an and. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Don't people don't think there's someone who's going around and like you got to move these chapters, you got to make this yeah. character like this and such. Um, but I had I didn't. It's a bit different with short stories. Mm. There's less, like there's less structure. Me- yeah, there's less mechanics. And so there's, there's less. So yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you if it the structural structural editing can be quite simple if that is right, mm. and Sometimes it's 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 in terms of paragraphs, not chapters, which yeah. makes things easier. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing the piece, I was kind of I didn't structurally. I think I mostly kept it as it is, but I did go kind of mix around. Like, how about this? How mm-hmm. about this? What about this? Uh, you know what? It's actually okay as it is. Yeah, which is a good thing because I didn't want to like make changes for the hell of it and make. Yeah, you know, the sledgehammer method, not the sle- exactly. Yeah. Though I am sometimes, when need be, a fan of that. Fantastic. I can think back in our days of TAFE when I was editing um, the old Levant. 
good old Avant. Yep, I, pieces. I yeah, I I was myself. I don't know because it's because I wanted to or because I wanted to take that extra responsibility. You were the I picked out yeah. the. I was the man with the sledgehammer. Yeah, it's just pretty harsh. Yeah, it's a nice job. yeah, yeah. It can be, but sometimes maybe that's I don't know. Feel like you're like the one pulling the strings. Yeah, you feel like you're in control. You feel, and I, yeah. you feel like you're doing the editing job wrong there, Lucas. You, you're, you're missing the whole propping the author up and you know making the author feel good. Yeah, well, years of, a few years have gone by and now I'm more like that. Yeah, let's face it, all the writers back then were terrible anyway. All right, moving on. Ian, how was your... Um, we were part of your, that. That's what I mean. <laughs> I, I'll keep the statement as is. Um so, in your week, what have you been up to? Oh well, I've uh, I've been hard at work doing some prep for an event on uh, on Saturday, which is mm-hmm. really good. Uh, but I was able to uh, carve out some time to um, to watch uh, the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, which was mm-hmm. I was very excited about. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, it's just been a whole lot of uh, refining work and a bit of research actually into the. Um, into the YA market just to get myself familiar with a few authors I don't know so much about, which mm-hmm. has been really interesting. Fantastic. Um, it was interesting. I was helping another author with YA fiction, mm. and um, I think we talked about this off the podcast. Uh, looking into that world after not having read into it is interesting. Mm. It's, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to, to know about. Um, I there's no one out there I think a lot of the time people bluff a lot to say that they know a lot more than they do and oh yeah yeah that author and that thing and sometimes sometimes people do know that they're the avid readers you mm-hmm. know but sometimes people kind of oh yeah uh, it's, it's been interesting because I haven't um, I haven't read a dozen novels in the last week but I have looked into uh, samples of people's work and you know tried to figure out a bit more about this style and how it's dif- how it differs from mine it's been really interesting to, to find out more about that mm-hmm. yeah um isn't it interesting when you talk to people? You're like, oh, um, I don't know. I pick an author out of that. China Merville. Oh, he's a fantastic author, don't you think? And the other person's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's he's good. Yeah. And you're I like, never uh, understood why people did that. Yeah, and you're yeah. Like, like, what's his? What's your? Uh, I have no problem going. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I've heard of them, or and I haven't read any yeah. of them. Never. And then yeah. it's like, recommend me something. Because mm. and because I, it may be cool to think you know everyone, you know everything. but. Mm. There's so much out there. Mm. Oh, I, just, it, yeah. it, it's okay if you if you ha- if you haven't read all of the great authors. I gave up yeah. a long time ago being ashamed that I didn't read specific things or Same. watch specific mm. things. It I happened. Was like, how it happened? No way. When I realized, mm. like, sometimes I'd want to branch out into mm. much more niche things. Mm. Yep. So I was like, well, I haven't got to this insert yeah. classic think book mm. here. Because mm. I was reading some silly comedy, <laughs> or I was watching some ba- some bad sci-fi movies, or whatever. Mm. Because I like those more. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And it's also to do with your like upbringing and like where you were and what you had yeah. access to and things like that. Um, it it's interesting. Like um, Luke, he's not here. Uh, stress that point again. Uh, but <laughs> he, I mean, he was he, you know, lived a lot of his early life in Yemen, which meant that like, well. American, you know, Western popular culture didn't happen for mm. him. Like he just missed that boat, um, and yeah, it's it's interesting because then he's like, you know, watching movies now. He's like, oh, this movie is like, oh yeah, that one. You know, that's interesting. It's interesting you're watching it now and appreciating it at a different age and stuff like that. So mm. it's curious, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any shame in admitting you you don't know specific authors or haven't read 
uh, yeah. specific. There's things. always time to catch up with some with 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 particular authors. Yeah, you have your whole like life. Like I mm. until yep. I went to TAFE, there were a real like a a lot of what you'd call the classics. Mm. I had read pretty much none of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, and I caught up, and yeah. then but by then I didn't read everything that was on the you know the recommended read. But by then I knew what I did, and I yeah. didn't like. Yeah. And at least you knew the authors, and I knew know, about by reputation them. rather exactly. than like you know knowing their work. And there's no them. shame in not knowing. Yep, I agree. It's a bit like not watching Star Wars for all those years, Lucas. Mm-hmm. And two people giving me a very hard time about it. Isn't that right? I was only semi-serious about it. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're all about Star Wars. Yeah, I, I totally am. I'm super hyped for the next movie. That's not true. <laughs> it's, anyway. It's not. <laughs> if a man can say it like that, you know he's not hyped. <laughs> so let's just talk about movies right now, or TV, or what, what have we been mm. watching in the last week. So let's start with you, Ian. We yeah, well, the, the big one was... Uh, I'm, I'm catching up now, so I'm doing a, a big speed through of... Uh, the Walking Dead. So mm. I've watched uh, four series worths in the last couple of weeks. Wow. We Oof. we have binged a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tweet me and with some spoilers if you like. Uh, I probably will regret saying that um, because I'm you not will. up to season five yet. So yeah. yeah, we're getting through. It's really interesting though. I um, people had said to me The Walking Dead is more about the survivors and how they kind of deal with with things than it is mm-hmm. about the zombies. And and I hadn't. I, you know, taking that at face value, but actually watching it, yeah, it's, it's quite compelling. Mm. Um, but I was a bit concerned when I mentioned to Joel that I was watching that, and he said, oh, yeah, they're planning to do another six seasons. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's a great idea. I mean, I've heard some pretty bad ideas in my time. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> what, you know, his existence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, walls and... And Mexico paying for them, those kind of ideas. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I've heard some some pretty average ideas in my time, but saying that you're going to do another six seasons, it's either extremely arrogant or extremely confident. Mm. I don't know. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, though. Yeah, I I was reading that article, um, and it was the the author. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name now. It's not Robert Kirkman, is it? Did I just yeah. pull that name out of the hat? Sure, we're yeah. rolling with it. Wait, of the of the comics? Yeah, yeah, that's his name. That's his name. I'm pretty sure oh it is. Oh my yeah. goodness! Well I actually fact checked something on the spot. Pop I didn't fact check anything. Yeah, I, I, I use my mind space. Of course, we could. Uh, that's not his name. Yeah, okay. Rob. Yeah, Rob. I was reading an article, and mm. he was talking about like you know, if all goes well and the producers all accept and you yeah. know they greenlight it, we'll have another six seasons. That's what I'd like to do. And I was like, wow, that's crazy to think about because. I've, you know, there's never been a moment in in a while now where I haven't heard about Walking Dead and being like, oh, okay, yeah. this is this is actually happening. Yeah. Um, so to to think that it's going to go on for another six years is insane. And if it actually does, and if the producers do greenlight mm. it, and they're actually like, oh, you know, yep, you're right, we we can do another six and milk this for all that it's worth. Who knows? Maybe the quality will stay the same. But I don't know. I've oh. basically what they're saying is we're going to go until we can't. Yeah, yep. which I think, is I think so. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, mm. it's just weird saying it. We want to do specifically six, six seasons. Yeah, because that's that's a lot of seasons and a lot of content, a lot of writing. I mean, I guess they've got a plan. But for me personally, I really like stories that um, well, there's a bunch of comic a, books already there. Yeah, exactly. So they've got they've got so Source much material. content, and that's mm. great. Um, but I really like stories where I know there's going to be an end, and I think this is where you know Lost ran into some trouble. And uh, but something like Mad Men, for example, yeah. which um, which went through quite quickly. Um, 
uh, and you know, had a definite start and end point. Um, I was never hugely into Mad Men, but my wife absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I think something which has that kind of uh, that good construction around it is is excellent because you you know when you start as well. If you start late, you know you got to finish an end point. Yep, and it's going to wrap. Yeah, for a drama, for a sitcom, that's fine. Yeah, for a drama, it does need an end. Um, there's a BBC drama um, that I enjoyed very much based on a recommendation called Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. And I believe that had three seasons. Mm. That's a very British thing to do, to finish after three seasons. No, it got cancelled. Oh, it got cancelled. And that is so also British. a very British thing to do. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. different. <laughs> um, so they I'll, probably wanted to do and the 11 thing is, seasons. Like, it didn't end. Yeah. You know, the story oh. was going to continue and yeah. they just like axed it. So we'll never really know. And I... I loved that show. I think it was a very intelligently put together procedural mm. drama um, that has a lot more intelligence and flair about it than most of the procedurals we get mm. these days. And, you know, there's like some hint of supernatural goings on uh, and that, that made it Crime interesting. procedurals, they're another thing that could go on forever. That's yes. True. Oh, whether they who? shoot is another thing, but they do. <laughs> NCIS, CSI, you know. So many CSIs. Mm-hmm. Let's just change cities. That'll make it yeah. different. <laughs> Cyber. <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I watch every single episode. No. Nope. Not even slightly. Nope. No. Someone's go. watching every episode. Yeah, it's true. Someone is watching it. Uh whether that's a bunch of bots giving yeah. them some ratings. <laughs> I, I Actually, who do you meet? I, I want to know. Do you often meet people who say, hey, how about that latest episode of C- CSI? The only thing I, I think can I work think in circles, Ian. I don't is know. There's, uh, I know there was a, a comedian, mm. who um, John Mulaney, who, mm. who, who mentioned in, I think, a couple of his specials how much he liked crime shows and Law and Order. But oh. then... And like unabashedly, he liked it, but I think because mm. he liked it because of the silliness, right? Right. Part, he liked partly, it for a different reason, yeah. The you know, cliche, I, the cliche. Yeah. He yeah. liked that rather than being right into it, which I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's people. Mm-hmm. You mm. don't go on for a bajillion seasons like Lauren Ora did and not have people really like your so, show. Nope, go well, for it. The other thing is, thinking of Law and Order, the Tonys were on this week, and um, oh, yeah. big big musical theatre fans, so watch the Tonys, and uh, it's fascinating because uh, Hamilton uh, did really well in that, and uh, it's interesting seeing a cultural phenomenon come to life, and my wife and I, for the interest's sake, went on to, to look at tickets, and you're looking at, because all the tickets are sold out, 12 months worth mm-hmm. of sold out tickets or whatever, and uh, you're looking at over $1,000 to get a ticket, it's just fascinating to see something like that uh, take off and become a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I can't see it coming to Australia and doing that because it's, it's American history. Yep. But the, the style of it is is fascinating yeah. and, and just different, you know? And I mentioned that, by the way, because in the Tonys, they had a whole section where they profiled actors and said, you may remember this actor, not from their famous part, but they showed them when they were on Law, Law & Order. <laughs> and one guy had been on there like eight times. <laughs> you got to look it up. It was very well done. <laughs> I was like, that is fantastic. That's he was a judge. Good. He was a criminal. <laughs> he was a detective. He'd done it all. And I was Damn. loving it. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I always find it odd when an actor comes into a sh- show and they play different roles in it. It's all right when you're a voice actor because you can get away with it. But yeah. like, ah, the just... same show, different roles. Yeah, mm. and it's not sketch comedy. No, 
I think they just meant to. Bl- I think those actors are meant to blend into the background for the most part. They're mm. just like you. Surely you wouldn't remember him from sixteen seasons ago. Well, in that case, this guy. You did know, they forget? <laughs> they, they did. They did a lot of work. Like you know, he's Casting got. He's changed. got a beard. He's got a hat. He's got a mustache. You know, it's it's all just yeah, it's all good changing. Good prosthetics. Yeah. It's the it's the kind of uh, the Denzel Washington change of look. Yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. Makes him. It's still. We all know it's still Denzel, it's Denzel Washington Denzel, in the movie. Yeah. But he's different because he he's got a goatee. Every time. There's, a, there's a great uh, Venn diagram of that, mm. by the way. What? Denzel's uh, Yeah, Denzel's looks. Hair? Again, something uh, worth Googling. Denzel Venn diagram. I don't mind Googling anything with Denzel. The thing about him, <laughs> talking about that, is that I saw a poster for the new Magnificent Seven movie. Mm. Uh, and I, I tweeted about this and I, and I thought, is it weird that I'm actually really looking forward to this movie? Yes. Because I loved the original which makes mm. it even weirder that i would look forward to the remake because you, we know you'd be old history. like this shouldn't be touched yeah but then i see i'm, I'm not westerns I'm not, yeah they're, they're they're a genre they're that a, they're kind of a dead breed basically i guess i'll take whatever comes out mm. maybe that's my mentality yeah. right i think i think so, like a straight western mm. like no twist with no twist on western, the genre it's not, it's not horror. Mm. a rare yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I and I guess they a lot of them are quite old mm. and are are ripe for remakes. Yeah, and it could well happen. I mean, because the other thing is with with the current trend in Hollywood towards uh, existing brands, and you know they can tap into people who know things. You saw it with the Lone Ranger, for heaven's sake. I mean, oh yeah, who'd have thought that was a great idea? No one, but pe- they knew you've got people who have who are older, whose kids are yep. old. You know, there was a whole thing. So mm. westerns would absolutely be ripe for that that cash grab yeah and some westerns can be can be good um there have been western remakes in the past what, 310 to yuma yeah, is a big yeah. one and, uh, true grits yeah, another big true one grit, which i love which it was a great remake i thought remake yeah well, i'm saying this is actually a probably i mean the magnificent seven's a really a well-known it's one it's a classic mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah but like as far as remakes that's not a bad idea yeah West, yeah that's true. old westerns it's like, old westerns like that's we can handle you that can, you can mm. update make it i don't know a modern, see, West, see, see modern. There's as modern <laughs> as you can make modern, <coughs> modern storytelling and yeah, cinematography. The speed of it, the speed of yeah, it's going to change. Yeah, like how it's filmed, rather I also, than. Yeah. I also think that the politics of a western changes because. Oh y- yes, y- like you know, uh, the. No one's s- being. Sh- no one's shooting Indians now. Yeah, because like you know, Indians are successful for the most part of like and they, they've changed their stereotype if, if you want to put it like yeah. that um, but the idea is that uh, a lot of the films that were made back then have a very specific um, central core theme to it and those themes don't necessarily translate very well now um, so they're picking on westerns that have some sort of an artistic flair to them. There's there's a, a theme that can transcend time yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we look at 310 to Yuma you know very easy transition. We don't really have to change setting for people to identify with it. True Grit, same thing. Mm. Um, yeah. A man and a girl on a mission. We, we can get behind those things, but I think there are certain... But even then, you can change. You can ch- For a remake, you can change that. Yeah. To having something more yeah. culturally relevant, and that's part of what a, you, can, you can do in a remake. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and in many ways, th- I almost want them to not remake as much as just make films set in that era because there yeah, is a, right. there is a difference i think so you're saying wouldn't we original... all want films just like we want them yeah <laughs> wouldn't that be great let's talking about things that we want to happen in shows that we think we like game of thrones oh 
That was one hell of a segue that I don't think had anything to do you with will. the original point. That was good. I think I played that well, though. Thank Why? What do you it. want to happen? I don't know. For well, it to end. It, everyone wants it. It ends next week. <laughs> well, till next well, year. Till next year. Till next year. It's two more seasons. I think is the, is yes, the plan. Yes, and they'll be short. See, definitely episodes each. Really? Yeah. Well, I've noticed oh. short episodes this year. But definite mm. end. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, good. Okay. Which um, we've mentioned. We've come full circle. Yes, exactly. Mm. Speaking of things that aren't going to go on for forever, for, uh, forever. Yeah. Yeah. The books might, but you know, the the. Uh, I think there's an end point. They're just taking their sweet time getting. He, he really is there. So let's talk Game of Thrones because mm. apparently we do every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not do it now? Um, and we'll, and we'll and we'll try and make it just as next quick time as when when it's end. When when the seasons. Yeah, because we'll do it again probably. Yeah. Um. So I think because we all watch it. Sees episode nine and. You know, for people who don't realize what we do in the media section, we spoil things. So, mm. if you don't want to hear about Game of Thrones spoilers, I'm fast forward sure about ten minutes. Wa- if you haven't watched it already, yes. it's already been spoiled on you because you've gone it on Twitter. Almost and definitely has. Yes, yeah, so. I've been pretty good with that. I didn't watch it till the latest episode till yesterday. To, to be fair, there was not a lot in the episode which was to spoil. Surprise. Yeah, there's not a lot to spoil. <laughs> I mean, I was coming in, I'm thinking, you know, they're gonna they're gonna kill off a main character, especially when mm. the they battle. Did. Well, no, but you know, like a, a character you, you like. Oh, yeah. Right. Jon Snow dies again. Yeah. If if John had, but I mean, how good? I think the moment, if we were to pick a moment for me, I, I pick the moment, the moment where, uh, where they've got the bodies and John's kind of suffocating. The way they filmed that, and the whole battle scene was well done yeah. because I'm I'm cynical about battle scenes. Mountains, like mountains made of dead people. So yeah. that scene, mm-hmm. I hate to be that one dude who's like, yeah. well, actually, no, go for I, it. Go uh, for it. The, the whole ring of bodies, there's like a yeah. certain back ring. Oh, yeah. It's cool a too. pretty well-formed ring. Yeah. Y- how know, did they get it? Yeah, that's yeah, like, how, how did they, they all die in that ring specifically and pile up? Because that's a hell of a lot of bob- bodies piling up there. I, I know I, it's a good effect. Okay, can I make a counterpoint? You can. It looked really cool. They did. I yeah, think that's right. pretty much. I think that's pretty much the argument. <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell you the one scene I thought looked very good in that Go episode. There is a single take uh, where it doesn't cut away mm. from John's perspective, where yeah. you know do, two cavalry charges come together. We yeah. follow him from behind. I thought probably the best depiction of a melee, a medieval mm. melee, in a very long time for me yeah. because it was chaotic, it yeah. was muddy, mm. it was just really well done. After that scene, however, they went shaky cam a bit, and I just cannot stand no. that kind of cinematography at all. So at that point, I was like, "Well, all right, that's fine." But at least you gave me this really good moment that I'll jump. I wonder if it's just because there was so much going on in that battle. Yeah, it, it was. was just genuine, genuinely really hard to keep the camera still. Mm. I don't know. I feel like it was specifically like they're like, know. "Oh, everyone's rushing out." Because it's meant to give you the sense of like, "Oh, it's chaotic," you know. Yeah, you're trying to. But at least they weren't like. <coughs> The traditional kind of shaky cam where you're following someone. Yeah. <laughs> you're like mm. behind someone. Like, yeah, yeah. This is just quick cuts. Yeah, that's fine. Ish. And that scene actually when the horses came down on him, that's not that's not CGI. Yeah. Like, he actually did that. I'm, I'm that like, was that was a cavalry charge. That yeah. is that is impressive. So yep. I mean you, I think for me it's like there are so many things that could go wrong. The mm-hmm. fact that they executed this this the scene sorry, the show yeah. so well, that episode. Is is really great because yeah. there were so many things that could have got. They could have done the battle scene poorly. They could have mm-hmm. screwed up a number of things. Yeah, and no one died like, in real life. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that always does help. <laughs> so I I thoroughly enjoyed it and yep. um and thought yeah it's it's solid. But it did kind of reinforce to me the feeling that uh it, it's almost like it's not predictable, but it's kind of like 
it's it's sad to see it coming to an end, but at the same time, you kind of like it doesn't feel like there's a perfect way to end this. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think um, with with Game of Thrones, now that we've gotten to the you know uh, the final runs, basically, mm. we we can sort of see the uh, storylines merging and mm. and playing out what we expect to. There's a certain amount of predictability that has seeped in, which is, I guess, natural. Um, but at the same time, it, uh, I feel like they're doing specific things for shock value to try and subvert that kind of predictability. It'd be like, no, guys, trust me, <laughs> we're going to do something. Bam, and it happens. And it doesn't make any sense, but it happens because it's meant to shock. Um, and I, I don't know if we talked about this on the... I don't think we talked about the episode, but Arya's hmm. parkouring with a you know a yeah. gut wound and suddenly getting the better of an opponent she's never beaten before off screen by the way yeah just rubbed me the absolute wrong way it's like how did she survive guys she's got plot armor it's like yeah that that at that point i was like well it's the best i understand kind of <laughs> yeah and i and i understand what they're doing mm. but you know they want specific things to happen and they're going to push it that way so yeah. maybe is a part of it because people just analyze the absolute shit out See, of it. I think it's because Game of Thrones is a show that tries to depict reality. Whenever a show um, tries to go in with the premise of this mm. is this is a this is a believable a, a believable yeah. situation that you can imagine people going through, you yeah. will always have those shows. I think given a much higher critique than say something like I don't know the Lord of the Rings movies because yeah. you know. Things can happen in that, and we don't really give it a hard time. Yeah. But if uh, but if something happens in Game of Thrones, we're like, oh well, that wouldn't happen because it's trying to do that. You know, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. you know it's trying to be something, and I think failing at times to to be that. So you know, we'll wrap that up quickly, and we'll go on to the next topic, which I hope is a nice segue to this, which is <laughs> I watched the Warcraft movie. Um, oh, great! And knowing nothing about the source material. Um, I, I went in oh, and I know something it's surely something I know, it's over a, these I know it was a game and I know people play it and mm-hmm. I know that there's orcs and I know that there's yeah. a thing called the Horde and the Alliance that's all I know about it mm-hmm. so but you know less about <coughs> Warcraft world than I do <laughs> yeah no I I know nothing like, right okay I don't have absolutely you ever played nothing. Warcraft 3 back in the day or anything like that no but I had friends who did and they were like oh you, you should play this and I was never, like nah never clicked on the sheep until it exploded when you were a kid no, no. that's great no there you go so I, I went in with no expectations and I thought it was going to be awful because I saw the trailer yep. knowing knowing how video games movies have always done I thought it was going to be real bad I went into it and the whole you know the audience is now expecting me to say but it was amazing yeah it wasn't <laughs> but it wasn't awful right it, see that's what most people have been saying see I mm. think that you know there's a lot of critical reviews out there mm. one I think critics take themselves way too seriously and two I think there are specific reviews out there that are you know are very co- you know oh we hate this movie and everything about it specifically to garner some views I mm. think it's mm. a little bit of a cynical cash in because they know it's got a very big audience and they know internet people get upset so guess what you know some clickbaity articles that people can read and get upset about. So that's what I think those reviews were. It's actually not a not, not a terrible movie. I think the, the you know the kind of uh, B style CGI at times sort of gave it some charm. It mm. knew what it was, and this is what I'm right. talking about with Game of Thrones. Warcraft knows what it is. It is not appealing. It is trying to anyway to appeal to a general audience, but its core concern is for its established fan base. Right. Yeah. And I think that's all that matters. It probably isn't what matters in terms of the box office. Yeah. 
But for me, I think that they it did a good job. It's doing a big deal. It's doing a lot in China. Really? Yeah. Oh. N- not go. so much in America. Interesting. But like it broke records in China. Mm. I wonder if that's because it's it's less. Is it less Hollywood in a way <laughs> than some other stuff? I think it's mm. well for starters. I. Th- I how much what? do how much do they like walk? Do they have access to that to to Warcraft in China? There you go. Absolutely. Good question. Yeah, they, they, but they definitely yeah. they seem to like those big spectacle films. Yeah. they're new to they're new. They're they're fairly new yeah. to them, mm. and and also the language barrier. That's yeah, because not so much. Fantastic uh, Mandarin um, epic epic movies. So yeah, oh, you've, yeah. Got, you've got a good point there in terms of the crossover. You know, you think about some of those ones which have come out of uh, Hong Kong, which we've seen over the mm. years. You know, um, whether it's and for many people, it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, kind yep. of introduced yeah. them to that. Yeah, I can see that the but market they don't, understands they, and it. they don't have so they like that, but they don't have in China the until recently until the they, the big CGI epics, yeah. epics. You know, and they like those. We yep. found that out. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why we get in so many. Yeah, and and also they don't have the. I guess the film isn't tainted <laughs> by the by the terrible track record of video game movies. No, which True. which is True. which hurts it because they because because this is this is the narrative every time one of these comes out. Is this going to be the first good, <laughs> yeah, good yeah. video That's game every movie? Ever, yeah. Has there been one? I, there hasn't been one, has there? Yeah, there has not been a good. Yeah, there's a reason why they say yeah. that every time. Yeah, because yeah. there's a zero percent strike rate. There yeah, and, and and it's a very hard. There's thing been to do. some which apparently are kind of okay. Yeah, there are some people like because they're shitty. Mm. Like I it because it's bad. Yeah. yeah. Like the more, uh, like the like, Street Fighter. Like, movie. like if I say, "Geez, I really do like that Street Fighter movie." <laughs> oh. It's not because I think it's genuinely good, but because you watched just, it on Tuesday. Just to be fair, just to be fair, when I was fourteen, I did love the Mortal Kombat movie. I still remember it. I thought that was just great. It's a pretty funny film. That yeah, that is. is considered one of the best ones. <laughs> it is. That's yeah. scary, isn't yeah. it? Which is kind of scary. Exactly. How long ago was that? That's a long time ago. It's like yeah. twenty years ago. And is it even that good? <laughs> Now yeah. it's a good comedy. It's so, got some funny moments, yeah, exactly. which I don't think they were meaning to be funny. But in several months' time, we're going to get all them that again when the Assassin's Creed movie comes. Yes, out. and oh. will Fassbender be able to make that one work? Yep. Mm. I mean, I like Michael Fassbender. Yeah, everything yeah, he, he does. So let's just hope he rescues that because I don't know. I'm maybe, maybe it'll say be res- the- say rescues. <laughs> we're already assuming if there's going to have big problems. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe it'll be the first good one. you're doing that thing there it is you're doing that thing so yeah I I think Warcraft is uh, you know I hope it does well because I I want them to keep going and I I think it's interesting and for people who don't know anything about the orcs in that world I think it was done really well you know the weird Moses orc baby thing was a bit alright that's a bit strange (laughs) but you know I I liked it it's a charming movie and yes I could go on my whole crazy rant about storytelling and gen- uh, generic and you know blah 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 dialogue blah 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 but i don't want to because i think the movie didn't try to make me yeah. care about those things it was like hey this is for our fans yeah and let's just try and get you interested if you don't know anything about it but we're not gonna try to uh, and i think video game movies always have to do that because it's like well we have an established fan base but there's a billion other people who haven't watched our, uh, know our source material so who are we going to appeal to it's a tough choice. And so if you'd make it generic, then nobody will like it because it's a generic movie. If you make it too fan-oriented, then you're not going to make any money. So mm. I, f- I feel like it's going to be a long time since we have a good video game movie. But who knows? The Assassin's Creed movie might be good. <laughs> at, least that yeah. one, at least that one and the Warcraft movie makes sense to turn into movies. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. does. 
Sometimes, like, I don't know what the fascination has always been with turning fighting games into movies. No, it seems like the worst. Yeah, exactly. No. They have paper thin plots, mm. which it's a tournament are, of some kind, which are yeah. which are done on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because nobody cares about the story. You exactly. Just fight. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I know it's an excuse to put lots just of make fighting. Video game. It's but fine. you, know, yeah, exactly. Just make <laughs> you just make. You're probably going to make more money. And mm. you know, just and always when I see one of these, like, but there is already one. Which follows the template of the game of what a game fighting mm. enemy should be, and it's called Bloodsport. Mm. Bloodsport. Yeah. The, come on, man. No. The John Claude Van Damme no. breakthrough film. Yeah, it was no. a while ago. But yeah, oh, it's another, a while. One. Basically, yeah. it's it revolves around a tournament, mm-hmm. a, a brutal fighting tournament. Yeah, so it's literally a better Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. And there's I'm a sub. In. There's a subplot. See the the non fighting stuff is to the side. Mm. The main stuff is pe- people getting beat up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. See, and that's that's how you make it. That's yeah. how you do a good job. Yeah, and that's and why it I said like, Van Damme. To be fair, and it, and has, and it has Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. John Claude. John Claude. Van good. Damme. Volvo trucks. I'll never <laughs> get that image in my head. All um, right, let's move on to our main topic for the evening, and that is all about Ian, kind of. Somewhat. Oh. <laughs> In the spotlight. <laughs> Dramatic looks. Yeah. Um, and specifically, you mm. know, you're doing something quite interesting on Saturday. So tell yep. us tell us about what you're doing. Well, Saturday uh, here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian Society of Authors is running something called Literary Speed Dating, mm-hmm. uh, which borrows from the traditional speed dating mm-hmm. uh, to put uh, authors in front of uh agents and people from the literary world to pitch their ideas for novels or what they've already written. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a strict format. You've got three minutes to, uh, to sit down and talk with the person and then that's it. You've got to get off the chair and move on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. the aim of the game is to get that face time, to sell your concept well, to sell what you've written well and then uh, have some follow-up after that. Interesting. Hmm. Lucas, are you interested in such a proposition? Yes. There you mm. go. Uh, the, the, the danger with this is, is it tough mm. to concisely describe your story oh, man. and to elevate and pitch the hell out of it? Yeah, well, this has been the challenge, and I think everyone who's, who's doing this uh, is facing that same challenge. And uh, it's, it's the, the, main, the main issue is that people who do these kind of pitching events, and they happen a lot for screenwriting as well, massive ones in, in, kind of, uh, in L.A. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, people sit down and they try to tell a whole story. And you know what it's like when you sit down and you, and you try to tell someone what, a, a, if you've written a novel, what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get all the detail in there. So the number one thing you have to do is, first of all, drop any intention of telling the whole story. You've got to get down to maybe three points that you want to get across and uh, then let the person have some time to ask some questions afterwards. Mm. So it's not, it's not an easy one, but the biggest thing is not telling the whole story because yeah. you'll just flounder. Yep. Yeah. You'll get like... <laughs> This, the first quarter through and they're like, all right, there yeah, we go. Yeah, I mean, if you were to try and tell you know, Star Wars in, mm-hmm. in three minutes, you know, you'd start talking about, well, first of all, you know, there's this ship and you've got the Princess Leia and yeah. she's given these, you know, and suddenly you're stumbling over yourself. But if you said, you know, it's the story of a rebellion that tries mm-hmm. to take down an evil empire by destroying the most powerful weapon of all time, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that suddenly got my attention. Oh, yeah. most powerful! Weapon. What is the most powerful weapon? Tell me more. Yeah. Um. So you got to you got to find a really good way to do that. So 
or you could say Joseph Campbell here is Jenny TM. Yeah. <laughs> in space. You're in space. You're good. And then yeah. the person says, well, thanks so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> but the bell hasn't thanks so much for your time. Okay. I, I, think, I think you'd have to be confident mm. in what you got yep. to be able, because if you kind of try it, need to go, oh, and then there's this. And this and yeah. this and this and this and this. Yeah. And yeah, um, you need a bit. You need to know what it is and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. What will grab people? I say that with if I was there, and maybe I'll look into this now. Mm. You could, if you if you go through it really quickly, you can read my first book in three minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The timing might be off. Yeah. Mm. Maybe if I pause, do the timing, you know. If you have a laugh track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll go through half of it, but <laughs> so I guess it's easy for me with yeah. my pictures and go look, look at it, <laughs> <laughs> look at what I do. <laughs> this is it. This is but all if I you am. have, and I guess that you have to think like I have this amount three minutes. You might you want to leave room for stuff. Mm. I want to say two minutes. Mm. You need your core pitch. Like yeah. I know when people have told me. About what they're doing, they will go. They'll drone on a bit. Yeah, they'll mention sequels. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> but you, you haven't got one yet. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 elevator pitch is a, is an interesting. Ele- thing. It is yeah. it is essentially an elevator yep. pitch. Yep. sitting down. Mm. So, think you got to think of it like that. Yeah. And those are tough, but mm. you have time leading up to the thing. Yeah. You're not like, oh my god. Yeah. Okay, here we Not go. Not standing in line trying to figure it out. <laughs> You're just like, how am I going to say this? The interesting thing that people um, say and I always sort of mm. cringe at is when they're like, oh, my story can't be boiled down to three yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. got all these themes. Every that story are, can be boiled down in three minutes. Exactly. You know, there, there's <laughs> a, you know, the nuance is lost, obviously, but the core concepts of the book can be given, and that's really all that matters within those three minutes. Yeah. So... Talk to us about what you're pitching, Ian. Yeah, so I'm going to be pitching uh, my first novel, mm-hmm. to which there are sequels. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. But, oh, Don't mention there it is. <laughs> <in> <laughs> three minutes. <laughs> so I, I have um, I have this first novel uh, ready to pitch. Uh, so essentially what I've boiled it down to um, is just talking about the, the father-son dynamic that's happening in it, and it's, it's basically about a boy, he's 14 years old, who's trying to stop an uprising of the local automatons in the steampunk-flavoured uh, fantasy world. And he's got to choose between his father, who's behind this, and uh, his, his essentially figuring out what he's about. Mm-hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. So I'm going to be doing that pitch, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be challenging to get that across. And I think you know, coming in for the first time, I'm under no illusions as to how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But you know, at least getting in front of some industry professionals is going to be great. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And you know, it isn't your first time uh, publishing or in that world anyway, because mm. you've done a lot of self-publishing yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm interested, and this is something that you know we haven't really talked about, but I'd like to dig in a little bit, um, is reviews. Yeah. Or our reviews. Um, <laughs> and the reviews that you've received. Yeah. So without giving too much away, which I guess you could give away because <laughs> people are going to look you up and look at the reviews anyway. Um, talk to me about people telling you what they think about your book. Yeah, it's it's really Books. interesting. Yeah, I, generally, people telling you uh, what they think about your, your work is is fantastic. In fact, I always appreciate, and whether it's someone telling me it's bad or not, I, I appreciate people giving me, you know, the fact that I've taken the time to read my work. They don't yeah. have to do that. There's other things they could read. Um, so I appreciate that. I, I think when it's difficult is when uh, reviews come in that are 
just a negative for no reason. Just, you know, there's a one star, didn't like it, got a third in, stopped. And you're like, well, just give me something. You know, <laughs> did you find it condescending? Mm. Uh, you know, do you not like my style? What, mm. what is it that you don't like? I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> as a person. As, as a, person, a human being. You offend me. Your, your Twitter your account. Your existence. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. There's yeah. some anger out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, generally it's okay. Um, and, I mean, there was one review, which I actually wrote a blog post about this afterwards, and it's the most popular <laughs> review on my original one. And it says, the first line of it says, was it texting that ruined the English language? And then, <laughs> and then it just lays into me. <laughs> oh, it's wow. a great line. And I was really, you know, a little cut when I first read that. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, so you think the language in my, in my writing is ruined? Yeah. All right. But then, actually, I, I, I went back and I, I looked at my writing it was a few months later after I you know, stopped crying myself to sleep. Uh, and uh, you know, I looked back at it and I actually think that person was right. I yeah. think they had a point. And I realized that they had something to say about my writing, which uh, it needed to be improved. And mm-hmm. me, after I'd published this, I actually did need to go back and look at it and say, okay, I'm going to make some changes. So, it, it, look, it's a lot of humble pie to eat. But, yeah. yeah, I think there was something in that. Now, they might have been a little nicer about writing it. But uh, I did quite enjoy, um, I quite enjoyed actually coming to a realization that, yeah, there's some, there's some truth in that. It's about taking uh, the meaning of what they're saying and not just how they're saying it, which is... Yeah, and there are themes that come through as well. And if you do see a mm. theme, you know, like the, the stories, are, the novellas, what I've, what I've published so far, and, um, you know, some people feel they're not detective enough for them. Mm. So they're, they're, de- they're detective steampunk mysteries, yeah. you know. Some people say, oh, you know, not, not what I expected. And that's concerning when that happens. You've got to look at mm-hmm. why is it not what you expected. Is it because of the marketing? Is yeah. it because of how you brand it? Is, is it, it names categories? Who knows how you yep. found it? <clears throat> so those are things you want to think about. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, it's it's always interesting, and I think reviews are, are fantastic. It's just the only time it's a struggle is when someone gives you a, a bad review for no good for reason. For no reason, yeah, because yeah. that's just completely I think out. people like to... There's very few 5 out of 10s yeah. on yeah. the internet. Yeah. They want to... Nope. Because they yeah, want to... They look agree. at me, yep. they want to yell at you. Yeah. So yeah. you don't... They don't dislike it, they hate it. Yeah. Mm. I find that... Um, I like the bell curve idea of criticism mm-hmm. is in the idea that, you know, I don't like the peaks and I don't like the, you know, yep. the, complete, the one stars, the one out of tens and the 10 out of tens, I generally don't put any salt in mm. for the reason is I just don't trust it. Right. Um, I like, I like the, I like the reviews uh, that are along that bell curve, you know, mm. um, because I think it has a lot more nuance to it. That's not saying that you can't give me a 10 out of 10 on my book. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. You know, <laughs> com. have a look and uh, I'm all have right with that. But look. what I'm saying is that it's just generally because that there's mm. something about that story that connected with that person. Yep. And that might not necessarily mean that your writing's very good. I've yeah. said this about another topic is that, you know, people can cry by seeing a bird in a tree. That doesn't mean the bird in the tree should be put in a museum. It's just this personal uh, reaction to a certain mm. thing or not, you know, certain yeah. object. Um, so, so, you know, that's, that's why I always find the extremes very hard. And it's kind of interesting because criticism ties into what um, uh, publishers think of your work as well because there is a certain amount of criticism there and agents and et cetera and et cetera. Um, but... The interesting thing that I find with uh, criticism and especially uh, personal critique is that, like you said, the themes can be correct. Um, mm. I, I received a lot of feedback for one of my mystery novels, uh, novellas, and they were like, well, you know, it's advertised as an Agatha Christie-like story, mm. but it's nothing like it. You know, it's much more character-driven, and there's very little on the detective side. And they're right. You mm. know, that marketing decision of mine was wrong. It's not an Agatha Christie story. It's set in within a very similar world, and it has certain themes to it, but it's just not. 
you know, Hercule Poirot, whether he changes as a person from the beginning to the end yeah. of the story, nobody cares about no. it. People care about his brilliant detective skills. Yeah. And that's not what my story's about. Mm-hmm. So and in that mustache. Way, Yeah, and, and his, Good. his quite amazing mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my character didn't have one, so therefore, not an Agatha Christie. One out of ten. One out of ten. One out of ten. Didn't, didn't like you it. Suck. Not enough mustache. Not enough mustache. We're not really in. Stash. <laughs> <laughs> no stash for me. Um... So it, it, it's interesting, and I find that there's a lot of vitriol out there as well because um, mm. something doesn't connect. I was I, I mentioned this uh, a while back, but I was doing some research on Goodreads uh, and looking mm. up the, the criticism there. Yep. So I kept doing it, and I'm still doing the research on this, yeah. and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Mm. Uh, it it's crazy to me. Um, th- there's, a very, there's a very interesting idea where we look at art subjectively, mm. um, but there are some... Well, people can argue there are an objective truths to some things in art, um, mm. grammar, uh, you know, sentence structure, things like that. We can break it down. We can look at that. Um, uh, observing cliches, observing certain things as well. But the thing I have found most now, I'd say in the last, I feel like it's a tendency because we're a very feeling mm. society these days. But the idea is feelings have come into play a lot more in criticism. Interesting. And and this is something I didn't realize at looking at Goodreads until, you know, deeper in, in yeah. the troughs, in the trenches of Goodreads, uh, <laughs> that I find that feelings are incredibly important to these reviews, mm. where something doesn't sit right, something doesn't yeah. feel right. Mm-hmm. And um, there's certain vacuous terms that I use, uh, you know, that um, I was very upset uh, yeah. by this particular thing, or I, I, was, I was hurt by the, the, the writer's decision. It's interesting. Yep. Do you find that? Do you find that because writing is such an evocative art that feelings, uh, anyway, now have become that we, we we care very little about what the author is in real life, but we think that might have a little bit to do with what he writes or what she writes, and therefore we feel offended by a certain piece of art. You know, what do you think about that? Ian? As in offended look, by, looks... like how they went in a different def- direction than what they liked. Yeah, or, it's or a some... defying expectation, or, or maybe it's a voting expectation, or. A... So not to do with anything that traditionally offensive, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not just talking So they're offended that... This character swears a lot I'm offended. No, I'm I'm not. I don't mean that. That is dumb. Mm. Just because they go in a different way to what you think, that doesn't mean you should be hurt. Mm. Mm. Maybe you can say, I don't like that. I think I don't like that direction they took. I don't like that they did this. Mm. But don't take it personally. Yeah. They didn't write this mm. just for you. Mm. Mm. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, people have that, that deep kind of connection. Um, and we have to remember the internet as, as the giant echo chamber that it is now. It kind of... Uh, it, it's interesting because it's... Um, uh, recently, I've had some discussions about the fact that uh, that you know, in terms of human connection, uh, opinions are the lowest form, and empathy is the highest form of yeah. human connection. And when it comes to reviews, you're absolutely in opinion world. You know, it's all about opinion. There's no empathy for. I can understand why the writer did that. There's no empathy there. There's no, you know, and we're 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 in a society that encourages opinion, encourages extreme opinion because mm-hmm. that gets you um, views, as you mentioned. You know, yep. you're just going to go out there and, and slaughter the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's no empathy for actually, okay, I can see that the writer uh, decided that this person's story was done, so they killed them off, you know, or yeah. they, they decided that it would be tragic and it would drive the other characters more. So, you know, that that lack of uh, being willing to see it from the perspective of the person who wrote the thing, mm. yeah, it, it's kind of encouraged by the way that our society and the internet works. Yeah. Um, the, the, the curious thing is moving from that 
you know, the idea of a reader being, um, there's a certain amount of entitlement, I suppose, in, in that opinion. Hmm. Um, but moving on from that, then that can translate into judgments on the author, mm-hmm. on, on the person yep. as to what they believe or, you know, things like that. Do you find that? Has anyone ever come up to you and be like, well, I, you know, I think I question your moral <laughs> beliefs because of what you wrote? I haven't I haven't experienced anyone doing that. Mm-hmm. Look, they may tweet Trust at me. Trust me, I'll read your book yeah. and get back to you next week. Yeah, yeah, you'll Hold be, on. That's right. No, look, I've, I've never had anything quite like that. I was thinking, though, in terms of it being a new phenomenon, maybe I'm wrong as well in terms of the uh, the readers. Cause well, Sherlock okay, Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes when he was, you know, when he, get, he goes over the edge of a cliff, mm. uh, people were up in arms, Sir mm, Arthur Conan yeah, Doyle, yeah, yeah. about that. How dare you kill him off? Yeah. You know, so much so that he actually decides to bring him back. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, Lucas. on it. Mm. What, what, made, what I was thinking of is the film Misery. Mm. Right. Quite an old, kind of old film now. Mm. But that, or the book even, uh, Stephen King by Stephen King. So that kind of thing, that fan entitlement, mm-hmm. uh, extreme reactions, mm-hmm. that was happening. When you know, kind of early in Stephen King's career, mm. Mm. that's way before social media, before the yeah. internet. I mm. suppose it's never been, you know, it's always existed. I guess it's just been given a bigger voice now with like yeah. certain avenues. It, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, one thing I also decided early on, kind mm. of in my in my time writing, is that I may not be the best author right now, but I want to be one of the hardest working. You know, yeah. So, and I think that's a good way to to look at things. So, if people don't always like it, that's okay. I'm not I'm not looking to write uh, the perfect novel. Mm. You know, at, at one stage, you know, I've got some ideas for for more real life, but I, fantasy is what I what I'm doing, and I enjoy writing that. Um, the only the feedback I have had from people mm-hmm. online generally is really positive, and and people are uh, really lovely. And I I almost say surprisingly, but <laughs> it's you know because you think of the internet as a yeah, place yeah, of negativity. Yeah. But you know I, I I'll always remember the very first kind of kind of thing that I got from a, a fan mm. where they said I read this story. Are you going to write any more about this character? Oh, and wow. I was like, oh, that's really nice. That was yep. you know one of the, just the nicest thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't you know at the time that story. Uh, was you know not not the dearest to my heart. So to hear her say mm. oh, I enjoyed it, I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah, that was so encouraging. And I think for authors, when someone comes up and, and gives you that, that's really that's really neat. You know, <laughs> you go a long way. You say that, Ian, but the, the, I guess it depends on the personality of the author as well. I had yep. um, I had a uh, a good review on, on on one of the first books that I released, and mm-hmm. I got this great review, and they yep. were like, oh, it's fantastic, you know, five out of five or whatever. Yep. And I immediately went into the suspicion mode. I was like. <laughs> yeah. Why though? <laughs> why? why did you say? What these are you not things? telling me? What are you not telling me? Yeah. Did were you just bored and couldn't be bothered reading it and gave me a good yeah. review to make me feel better? And I swear, hand on heart, that is actually what I thought. Because mm. yeah. you know there is a certain amount of doubt where uh, releasing your work and having it go mm. out into the world and um, fly fly away from you, and then you know it comes back stained in blood, and you know. Yeah lost a couple of wings, but it's the idea that you are very precious about your work, especially your first work. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it makes sense to get hurt by criticism. And we've talked mm. about criticism on the podcast before, but I think developing that thick skin and knowing where to take it and when to yeah. ignore it is is a skill that, you know, only comes with time. Mm. Here's my, my thinking right now. I just think you're talking about, you know, fan good reviews mm. and, I think, and the negatives. I'm like, it's just... For me, it's nice to know that people are reading. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. Some f- coming from someone. You're the glass half com- full guy, though. Come. Some yeah. coming from someone who's who's um not getting so many readers. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. 
currently mm. Mm. partly maybe because the not being the I'm not being the well I am I'm trying hard mm. Mm. but well, I'm not I, I'm not saying the output isn't a lot so crazy, yeah I mm. if someone t- if if I got a bunch of reviews even if some of them were like your this book is shit. Your your shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you Bertley. Actually, your, you though. your shit. Go yeah. die in a hole. Yeah. Like, you read it. Yeah. <laughs> you spent money on this. Just imagine it's just, it's just a high five emoji coming up <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Thanks for right. I'll, I'll gladly take your dollar. royalties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dollar royalty. Except my book and digital version <laughs> is is free. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, did you get a? Did you get buy a hard copy? <laughs> yeah, did you buy a Good. copy then even Say better. whatever. See, yeah. the, the, I think especially now because of self-publishing, yeah. because reviews can sometimes be the be on and end all of yeah. our uh, you know feedback source mm. because we don't have the sense of like, oh, you know, the age written, wrote an article about my book and they were really nice about it. Yeah. Because yeah. then there's a sense of like, oh, traditional media said I'm good, so I guess I must be good. Well, yeah. I you guess know? that's and another thing is I have a publisher behind yeah. me mm. Mm. who supported me the whole way yeah that's yeah. handy and yeah. and you know so i know it's like oh, i mm. liked it yeah and i think having the support <laughs> network yeah. is really good as well so and i always uh, had that in my pocket mm-hmm. yeah. um so even so like i can't i haven't self-published okay the morning bell i guess you, mm. that is self-published it's an indie publication yeah, yeah, an indie pub- yeah. yeah. but like myself I've not self-published yep. any books, and I'm not going to. Yep. I, s- I say that now. You say that now. I yeah. say yeah. that now. Yeah. But for now, yeah. I'm not, because I don't think I could do it mm. all. The pub, the you know, relying on having to drum up all the yeah. the hype, pub- hype publicity, mm-hmm. getting those reviews. Oh shit, getting reviews for yeah. my own book. Yep. Mm. And. I mean, it wasn't all up to me. As yeah, I was not self-published. Hmm. But when I tried to do my bit, I didn't do great because <laughs> <laughs> so, I just don't have yeah whatever it takes. The nos. So, yeah. The the marketing. The, yeah. I don't know if nos is yeah nos. Yeah. Is it sure nos. I said nos. nos like it's nitrous. You said nos. I said nos. The nos. Like the skills well, to <laughs> to do we'll get that. enough topic here. Yeah. narcissism. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's I've steered us back. It's yeah. it's an unfair yeah. world. Let's let's be straight up here. It's an unfair <laughs> world. Publishing because you're expected to be extremely introverted mm-hmm. and do your thing, and then you're expected to be extremely Incredibly extroverted. extroverted. Yeah, you just got to be out there. So you're asking possible. a person to to bridge two worlds. Yeah, and that's that's harsh. Let's mm. let's not. You know, yeah. Wrapping in cotton wool, it is. It's really hard for people to do that, and mm. I think that's that. It's it's a rare thing when someone can actually do both of those pieces. Yeah, and I guess wrapping up for this episode, I guess it's you know, uh, as much as it is like um, all all the guests, uh, all the hosts on the podcast each have projects that are beginning or starting of some kind. You know, mm. Luke has a uh, a fantasy uh, series that he's. Uh, pushing for publication, you know, you're looking for publication and self-publishing as well, and same with me, I'm self-publishing mm-hmm. and publication, and I think the most interesting thing of having all these people, and Lucas, obviously, but, you know, he's not technically, you know, one I've of us. I've started things. <laughs> but you're not really, you're not really in the club, Lucas, let's be real. 
He's, he's doing a lot. Is it because of, <laughs> is it because of the dick jokes? Because yeah. <laughs> I kick you off the podcast all the time. No, no, no. We love you. Um, so that idea, I think it'll be interesting for both the audience and also for us to see each of our you know paths and branching. So tell us in mm. how this uh, speed dating, literary speed dating goes for you. Mm. And we'll be interested to find out and... And give you pats on the back along the way. I will, thank you. I'll uh, I'll be doing a quick write up of it afterwards, but I'll be sure to report back to you on the good, the bad, and the hopefully lack of tears <laughs> that resulted. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Tears of joy can happen. Of joy. Yeah, can it's happen. Joy. What if I just throw my book at someone? Just go to the location, throw my book at someone, and be like, "Publish me again." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? You'll I can do that again. Yeah, do there it. Do it again. Give me more money. I'll make it better. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a great episode introducing our new uh, co-host. Ian, thank you very much for coming on. Tell us where we can find you and catch up with your latest events. Yeah, so you can um, you can find me on ihlaking.com. And uh, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter, at ihlaking. And, of course, I'm also on Facebook, uh, so you can find me there. Your preferred social media, you'll find me under ihlaking. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Lucas, what have you got coming up for us? I don't know. <laughs> that is a, pro- is a good response. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like it. Something, maybe. Yep. I don't know. I've been making comic books. Yes. There will be. We mentioned at the top already, mm-hmm. Morning Bell stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lucas DeQuincio, at Lucas DeQuincio, Twitter. Mm-hmm. If you want to... If you spell it right, <laughs> I'm the only Lucas DeQuincio yeah. on the internet. So you'll, you'll, yeah. Yeah. You'll find me. There spelled right, that is. Spelled the only right. Lucas De Quincey is spelled right. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas De Quincey is spelled... Hey, if you get it close enough, maybe it'll correct it. Maybe itself. it'll autocorrect it. <laughs> I've yeah. not tried. Who knows? Are you on Tumblr? Yes. All right. Are you on Tumblr, Ian? No, I'm, Tumblr is not something that I have tumbled I down. tried. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, my, I very... Like, when I first started mm-hmm. writing, I went on, yep. on Tumblr. And now I'm back on, and then I switched. I post my... Comics to Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's Lucas DeQuincio. Obviously, yep. Fantastic. That's one word. Yep. And and it's because just because it's easier to share yeah. from there, you put it, is it quite there, handy. and then there's just you just go. I want it here, here, here. Cool. It's a nice wall of images as well. So yeah. It yep. looks good. Um, as for me, I noped out of Tumblr the moment I saw the front page. I was like, okay. No, oh, no, I don't read it. That's, uh, I don't read anything this is on the that. wrong site for me. Um, <laughs> but if you want to check out my work, you can find me on Twitter at the pen of Joel. Uh, thepenofjoel.com is my website. Uh, at Brunswick Street Bookstore is the Brunswick Street Bookstore. I think it is the underscore Brunswick Street Book. Um, so have a look at them there. They have a lot of events here as well. We don't promote it often enough, but you should totally check out what they're doing. on the website. And you can also check out uh, BrunswickStreetBookstore.com, I believe, is the uh, yes. website. You go uh, there, you buy my book. Yes. And then whatever else. I don't and care. you say Joel is a great host and totally won't be replaced by anyone, Ian, maybe. That's okay, good. There you go. Um, don't even try and you sent me. All right, I've watched Game <laughs> of Thrones. I know how this goes, all yeah, right? Goes. I think right. I'm pretty sure your worst enemy is your immune system. It is. I get sick a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you have, you've never missed one. It's all right. It's all right. I'll, I'll crawl in here. I'll <laughs> crawl in here. <laughs> no legs. No, I'll still be here. Yeah. You don't worry about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you uh, enjoyed the episode. The Discomfort Zone, we'll be recording one this week, hopefully. If I don't, my throat doesn't give up. 
and uh, you should check out what we are doing on the Morning Bell podcast because there's a recent episode came out, an interview with Neil Gaiman, Dream Dangerously, um, the documentary. It yeah, was, but you probably should correct that. Yeah. Oh, it, no, uh, don't correct that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's good. It's I thought it was a very good, interesting documentary looking uh, at his life and also the Patrick Meany, the director and producer of it. So please do check that out. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.